Bibles open for just a few minutes. I want to get right into this. John chapter 4. How many know it's good to cry in the presence of the Lord? I pray, Lord, never take that away from me. Never take those tears from me. Knowing what his presence is like. You know, as you get to John 4, I want to talk this morning about the, an encounter in God's presence. I continue to be amazed. I never stop being amazed at how the Holy Spirit orchestrates. And uh, just the whole service this morning. From the songs they chose. I don't choose the songs. I don't know what they're going to sing. They don't know what I'm going to preach. And just from the river of God there and, and, and did the offering and what Jesse said and the testimony, when I asked John to do the offering, I had no idea he had a testimony. Just God just orchestrates everything. And then the song that they chose, and then the message, it's just amazing. It's amazing to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, like John said, and know that God's speaking to you. The God of the universe is speaking to me, speaking to you. Isn't that amazing? And I want to talk about an encounter, which we're going to read here in John 4 in a second, but... everybody here needs to have an encounter with God. And if you haven't had an encounter with God, then you need to ask him to give you one. And if you haven't had one, then you might not be born again. Matter of fact, I'll change that. You're probably not born again. Because when you're born again, you have an encounter with God. Something happens. You know what the word encounter means in the dictionary? It means to meet somebody unexpectedly unexpectedly meet somebody and I I think back and I want you to think back to when you were born again and when you gave Christ your heart I mean I think back to that night that I came into a church service and my expectations were not to get saved my expectations were to be there because I needed to be there in my mom and dad's house because I was still living at home in college and 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 I just was going to be there show up and say I was there and check that off the list and leave but God had a different plan How many have realized this morning that God has a different plan than what you had? Amen. Amen. When you met Jesus, there was something that happened that was not on your plans. People don't wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to get saved today because we don't even know we need to be saved. Right? We don't realize how wicked we are and how bad we are. But we get saved and we have an encounter. And I remember, for me personally, that that moment was life-changing. Uh, many of you have heard, but I always forget to remember that there's people that haven't heard. Um, I won't go into my whole testimony, but the night that I got saved was a Tuesday night and a revival. And I was sitting at the back of the church. And when Jesus spoke to me and began to deal with me, like right there, that presence of the Lord began to deal with me. I, I went forward to the altar for salvation And when I got to that altar, I just began to cry out to God. I began to repent I knew that I was living a life of sin. I knew that night that if I didn't change, that I was not going to go to heaven, that hell was my destination. And I had an encounter with such a love and such a grace that night that my life was changed forever. And not everybody has this kind of encounter, but my encounter lasted a long time. Now, over a span of 25 years, it has lasted. But that particular encounter lasted over three hours. I went to the altar after 9 o'clock. The service was over. The altar call was, the altar was open as we do here. And, and some of you might wonder sometimes uh, why we do altars. All, you'll, you'll, the reason is, is I'm passionate about what altars do because an altar changed my life. Amen. When I came to the altar in Tucson, Arizona, 20, 26 years ago, as a matter of fact, this month, what day are we? 
Matter of fact, I just turned 26 a couple weeks ago and forgot to, to tell myself happy birthday. Amen. The 4th of October, when we were in conference, wow, I just thought about that. On my birthday, on the 26th birthday of my salvation, we started a church in Tanzania, Africa. I just realized that on that night. Amen. Isn't that amazing? On the 26th birthday of my salvation. Wow. October 4th. Just now thought of that. So 26 years ago, I've had this encounter. But that night, I got to that altar at 9 o'clock. And when I got up, teary-eyed and snotty and red-eyed and puffy-faced, it was after midnight. And I had been at that altar for three hours. And I had an encounter with God. And I was not the same person when I got up. Now, that doesn't mean everything was in order. That doesn't mean everything was perfect. God was working on me. I even remember going to Costa Rica, and I was saved but not sanctified. I was born again, but God was working on me. I still had a lot of flesh that I was dealing with, and I didn't go to Costa Rica perfect. Amen. I was a little bit in the flesh when I met my wife, if I'm honest. Amen. She was beautiful, and I saw her across the church, and she, and she caught my eye. So I wasn't totally sanctified yet. Amen. And, and I couldn't tell what the words were on the, on the screen because anyway, there was no screen. So I, I didn't know what I was singing. So I was still being sanctified. But when I got up from that altar, I was a different person. And I knew that I was saved. I knew that my life was changed. I knew that my name was written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. And it, I've never been the same. And listen, ever since that day... God has put something in me that I want to challenge you to have this morning. He has put something in me to cause me to want to have that again. Married couples that are here, people who are in relationships can understand this. When you, when you meet your husband or your wife, there's, there, there's that connection that happens. There's something. I can remember still that day that I met my wife. And, we, and I, again, looked across the 2,000-seat the, the church and saw her over there on the other side of the church. And, and, and she caught my eye. And then we met. And that night we went out to get pizza. I still remember that encounter that I had with my wife. And now for the last 25 years in February, when we celebrate our 25th anniversary, we all, what do you think we do anniversaries for? We try to recapture and rekindle that love and rekindle that, that, uh, that uh, relationship that we have. So that's what God wants to have with us with an encounter. Encountering God's presence is not a one-time thing. How many would like to encounter God's presence every day? Amen. It's not even just coming in on a Sunday and or a Wednesday or at a Bible study or at a prayer meeting. It's it or at a concert like yesterday that people went to. It's it's an everyday thing, and it's saying, God, I want that. I want that thing again. I want it again. How many know married couples that to get back back takes work, to get that feeling, to get that emotion back. And so it's the same thing with God. God wants us to have that encounter again with Him, but sometimes it's been so long since we've had it. That we forgot how good it was. We forgot how amazing it was. And so today, like a moment like that where you, where you can just stand up and lift your hands and feel the presence of God in this place. Listen, that song right there and the words that were said, that's my heart. That's my heart. That, that I, would, I would meet you again, Lord. There's a place, that altar. And again, it's not a physical place, totally. Because my altar was in 2,000 miles from here when I got saved. But there's a spiritual altar that I come back to. And right now, as we were singing that, and I think, man, if you don't come, God, if you don't show up, God, there's, nothing's going to happen. 
How many know that if we would all come in like we did this morning with an attitude of worship and we would all be in praise and worship all during the week and we would all come in flesh out the way that God's glory would fall in this service. God's glory would fall in every service. People would get healed in their seats. People would get delivered in their seats. People would get changed. Lives would be saved if we just bring that into the, to the house. And then we would have to take it half an hour or an hour to get out of the flesh and get into the spirit. I want to read a story in John 4, if you're there, and pick up. Many of you have read this or heard this. It's when Jesus meets the woman at the well. I'm going to start in verse 3. It says, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. I'm going to break this down a little bit this morning just for a few minutes. And it says he needed to go through Samaria. I want to tell you this morning that you need to thank God that Jesus changed directions for you. Amen. Amen. That night when I met Jesus, and see, we need to make this personal. And salvation is personal. I have a story and you have a story. We all embrace each other's stories. That's what a testimony is. I'm testifying to what God did for me. I can be admiring and looking at other people's testimonies. I can be like, man, that's so awesome. Praise God. And, and we embrace that. But you've got to have a testimony for yourself. You've got to have something that God did for you. And if you haven't had that this morning, i got good news. In a few minutes, you'll have a chance to encounter Jesus. You'll have a chance to encounter his love and his grace and his plan. But it's got to be personal. And that night... Jesus said, I need to go to Tucson, Arizona. I need to go to First Assembly of God on Broadway. I need to go touch this young man and do something in his heart. And he left everything else he was doing to come meet me. Isn't that pretty neat when you think about the fact that Jesus left everything to come meet you? Do you realize this morning that if Jesus had to go back to the cross just for you, he would go back to the cross just for you? Is anybody thankful for that this morning? That if you'd have been the only one on the earth that would accept him, he'd gone just for you. Isn't that amazing? Amen. That's enough to get excited about, amen, and thank the Lord for. So it says he needed to go through Samaria, and you put yourself there. But he came to a city of Samaria, verse 5, called Sikar, near the plot of God of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, there's points of reference in our lives. This says here in the next verse, Jacob's well was there. Now hold your Bibles there, if you would, in John chapter 4. And use your little marker that you have, if you have one. Or put a piece of paper there, or flip it over in your phone, or whatever you want to do. But Genesis chapter 32, if you'd go there, I want to show you something here. That's a place of reference. We need places of reference. I'm telling you, now I don't say this in a bad way. I just say it in a way that, that we need to understand. If you had an encounter with Jesus and you're saved this morning, you should remember where it happened. And you should know when it happened. Amen? You should remember that. That's, it should be, a, a, I, I, I'm telling you about that moment like it was last night when I went to that altar. That was 26 years ago. And I know that that was the point of reference, although I had heard many messages in my life. I had actually given my life to Jesus at seven or eight years old at a kid's camp. I had gotten filled with the Holy Spirit. I, had, I knew God was real. And then, out, you know, not going into my testimony, I got into high school and went the wrong direction and backslid and wasn't living for God. I had heard all kinds of messages. But that night on October 4th of 1992, at 9 o'clock at night, I had an encounter with God that forever changed my life. 
And I remembered it was a reference point for me. And, and, and you know, when you, when you hear Jesse say what he says, you know, don't ever get tired of him saying what he used to be because that's a reference point for him. He's up here thinking, he's, he's saying, how in the world am I on this stage leading this church in prayer when I used to be a drug addict and a meth addict? And here, how, how, why am I here? They're, never lose that reference point of what you used to be, amen? Because if you forget what you used to be, you'll forget who you're supposed to be now. You've got to remember what God brought you out of. Amen? How many of you have some God bring you out of something? You're not the person you used to be, but you're also not the person yet God wants you to be. How many can say this morning, God is working on me? I'm a work in progress. Amen? As nobody's arrived yet. We're all working. We're all work in progress. And so we'll go to Genesis 32, verse 30. Uh, when I read this, many of you will know the story. This is when Jacob wrestled with God. Physically with the angel, he wrestled with God. He said, I'm not going to let go till you bless me, he said. And God blessed him. But look at verse 30. Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. And why did he call it that? It was a reference point. He said, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. That was a reference point for him. And then the Bible goes on to tell us in the next few verses that he goes over to a different city and he sets up an altar. And where he set up that altar is what we see in John chapter 4. That is Jacob's well. And so that reference point for him, this is what I want you to see. When you allow God to touch your life, when he does something in your life and you surrender and you have an encounter with God and he changes you, and he transforms you into the person you want, he wants you to be. That's a reference point for you. And, I, and I, didn't, I didn't say this in the first service, but I meant to. And it's coming to me now more. That, that place, like Jacob's well, that reference point is something that you can look back on. And that well is symbolic of everything that's going to come out of your life that's going to touch others. Thousands of years later, we see Jacob's well mentioned again, and, and, and there wasn't by chance there in John chapter 4 where we're going to see this encounter, but we see it mentioned that all those years later, he set up an altar and he said, God, I want my life to mean something. If you don't, if you don't have that attitude this morning, my prayer is that you would get it. That you would start living your life with a purpose. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to start a church. You don't even have to, to, to get involved or do anything in the church, although that would be great. But you need to have an attitude of, God, can my life please affect somebody? Can I please make a difference in this world? That's enough purpose to go by right there, amen? And that your place of reference, that well where you got saved, would be a place that people would look back on and say, that, that, that well has brought forth fruit. Years later, Jacob, thousands of years later, Jacob's well is still talked about because it was a reference point for him, and it continued to bear fruit. How many are following me? And so he says, it was a place called Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. My life is preserved. And, and, and we need to get to a place where we're looking for that every day. We're seeking that moment, that time together with God, that he can preserve us and talk to us and speak to us again. Let's go back to John chapter 4. And we're going to pick up here, go through this real fast with a few verses here. But it says, I want to show you a few things. So here he says, Jacob's well was there, verse 6. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat down by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. 
For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria, watch this, said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? The attitude that a lot of us have er erroneously that causes us not to see God flow through our lives is that we say, God, how can you use me? How can you deal with me? How is it possible that you're going to use this broken vessel, this messed up person? And the problem is too many people stay right there. I can't be used because I've made too many mistakes. I can't be used because I have a bad past. I can't be used because I've made these errors. I can't be used because I'm rebellious, because I'm this, because I'm that. We have all these excuses, and I just want to tell you something. Read your Bible. Because the Bible's full of people like that, and those are the people that God uses. If you got a messed up life here this morning, I want to tell you something. You're a candidate for God to use you because he uses messed up people. Can you say amen? He uses people with messed up past. He uses people that are jacked up, tore up from the floor up. Amen. Got all kinds of problems. But if they'll get past that, God, how can you use how can you talk to me? How can you use me? That humi the humility is good, but you got to get past that and say, God, now I know you died for those mistakes. I know you died for those sins. Now I need you to use me. I want to be used. He says, how can you deal with me? Verse 10 says, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Do you realize that as you got saved, when you got saved, there was things being led up to that moment that you got saved that you did not know God was working? You didn't know it. He's working on her right now. He says, you don't, you don't understand. He's, he's basically saying, you don't realize today is the day of your salvation. You came here to get some water, but you're going to get some eternity. You came here to, to do some work, but you're going to go different away from this well than the way you came. God is working on us, right? And we never knew. When you think back to that moment, I'm hoping that you're thinking back to that moment that you got saved. Amen. I'm, I'm hoping you're thinking back to that moment when, when finally you gave in to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and said, yes, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm not running anymore. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. Jesus, come into my life. Change me and transform me. Until that day comes, you are, are being dealt with by God. And how many know, sadly, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to continue to deny him until they, get, until they die. Some people will not, will not answer, not because God doesn't want them to be there, but because they just continue to make excuses or continue to say, I can't be used. He says, if you only knew. And that's why when we begin to sing a song like that, that's why tears come to my eyes. Because I begin to realize what I was before I met Jesus. I begin to realize how sinful I was, how lost I was, and where I should be right now. Amen? See, I don't, ever, I don't ever stop thinking about that. I don't ever get so religious or caught up in serving God that I forget who I was. I don't ever forget a day that, that I've told you before in my testimony. God told me clear as a bell that night, if you don't go forward and give your life to me, you're going to hell. That's where you're going. The evangelist was preaching on hell. And it was not a next week thing. It was not next month or next year. It was tonight. And now for the last 26 years, I thank God every day that I'm able to lift my hands and say, Jesus, thank you for saving me instead of being in hell all for all of eternity. 
That should get anybody excited and make anybody thankful. And that's what Jesus was saying. If you only knew, how many times have you heard me say, if we could have a glimpse, a glimpse, a five-second glimpse of hell, how thankful we would be. It would change our worship. It would change the way we act. It would change the way we think. It would change everything. We would, we would, you know why he doesn't probably give us a glimpse of hell? Because we wouldn't be able to get anything done. We'd just be crying all the time. We'd just be, we'd be so stuck and uh, thank you, God. We'd just say thank you, God, all day long. And he does kind of say to, say to do that, pray without ceasing, give thanks and everything all the time. So we're supposed to do that, but he, he knows we've got to get some stuff done. But if we had that glimpse, we'd be like, thank you, thank you. So my little niece, Lisa, I was talking about her in the first service. She's, she's pretty persistent. When she wants something, what was the word she was saying the other day? Um, specifically? You don't remember? Do you remember? Huh? Yeah. She just kept, I, I want to sleep here, I want to sleep here, I want to sleep. And so what, she, that what they told us is she'll keep saying that until she gets her way. I want to sleep here, I want to sleep here, I want to sleep here. And whatever it is, food, daddy, mommy, whatever, she just keeps on saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. God wants that kind of persistence with us. He wants us to, he, 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 there's a persistence there that we need to continue to have. So watch this. He says, he says, if you knew who this was, you would have given, I would have given you living water. So she says, sir, you have nothing to draw with. She's still in the flesh. The well's deep. Where then do you get that living water? How many know right before you got saved, things didn't make sense? You're like, what? Things did not make sense. And then once you got saved, all of a sudden the veil was removed. All of a sudden the, the, the scales came off. And, and then you're like, oh, I can see clearly now. Right? The, cha- the song changed. Jesus came in. I can see clearly now. I understand. And then we look at people who don't know the Lord and we go, why don't they get it? But we forget that we didn't used to get it either. But all of a sudden, the light comes on. The Bible says we come out of darkness into light. There's a change. And so he says, she, she's, still, she's still, still, still lost. Verse 13. No, she, 12. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his son, his livestock? And Jesus says these profound words. Whosoever drinks of this water, he's talking about this physical water from the well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never thirst. You know, we have a world today that is filling their spirits with with Coke and coffee and tea. Amen? How many know those three things taste good? Okay, those things taste good. Maybe you don't do coffee or tea. There's something you drink that's not water, and hopefully it's not alcohol. Amen? And hopefully it's not a lot of it. And, but whatever you drink that's not water is tasty, but it's not good for you, and it doesn't quench your thirst. And we live in a world where we're trying to fill our spirits with, with things that are not going to quench our thirst. Things, just things that are there. He says, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And then all of a sudden... She has something happen. She says, okay. The light's coming on. She says, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Now, here's where we're going to begin to close. Here's what God does to us. Here's where the rubber meets the road. This is what happens when you get saved. 
He sees that she's beginning to get it. Okay, I want this water. He's offering it to her. I preached another message one time about water, a whole entire message about how important water was in the world. That's a different message. But do you realize that we're salesmen this morning? We're water salesmen. We have living water for sale, except it's free. We have something that the world needs. We have, we have wells. It's free. We give it away. But people have to take it. You know what's a good example of that? We've done outreaches in the past, like Fourth of July parade or gone to different places, and we like to take water because people need water. And it's crazy. Would you believe that people turn away water? We have put water bottles out like this, and people say no. Can you imagine? That's what people do in the Spirit. We're offering living water. We're offering salvation. We're offering something that can change their lives, and they reject it and say, no, I don't want this. I don't want it. That's what we do when we do that. And so he says, okay, now she wants the water, but I need to deal with her on something. I need to, I need to change her perspective. So he goes, watch this, 17. The woman says, uh, sorry, 16. He says, go call your husband and come here. When the presence of God comes into your life, watch this, when the presence of God comes into your life, it's because you have surrendered to God. You might get a little bit. You might be able to walk in here this morning. People, I believe people walk in here that don't know the Lord, and they feel God's presence. There's like something feels good here. There's peace here or whatever. But you don't really, really, really get it until God gets stuff out of you so where it can fill you up. So he says... She wants this water, but I need to deal with her sin life. He says, go get your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And she says, Jesus says, you have said well, you have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you're with now is not your husband. That in that you, you spoke truly, he says. And so he begins to deal with her. How many know that God wants to deal with the things in our lives that would stop the flow of water flowing through our lives? How many know that rivers are supposed to flow? And when rivers flow, it's clean water. When rivers stop flowing, when water is stagnant, how many have ever smelt stagnant water? It's horrible. It's a horrible smell. Horrible, horrible smell. And when water's flowing, it's clean. God wants his water to flow through us. And so he's looking in our lives and he's saying, what are some things that are stopping the water from flowing? And then he'll deal with us. And whenever you say, man, I, I feel, I'm feeling, some, you might say, this, I'm feeling the presence of God like never before in my life. It's because you're emptying yourself. It's because you're surrendering more. It's not that God's power is greater all of a sudden. It's not that there's more water all of a sudden. It's that you're getting things out of your life that are causing the, the river to flow greater and the water's flowing freely and you're feeling his presence more. Less flesh, more spirits. Less things of God, more presence of God. Sorry, less things of the world, more presence of God. Less world, more God. How many, how many see that's an easy dynamic to understand? So he's dealing with this sin nature of her, and he wants her to confess. And so she says in verse 19, I perceive that you are a prophet. All of a sudden, she, she, she recognizes his lordship. And so she gets saved. She becomes an evangelist. She goes on to tell all kinds of people about the Lord because of what God did for her. But he says these powerful words. He says down in verse 22 and 23, You worship what you do not know, 
We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. He's showing her that there's a transfer going on. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, we close here, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you don't have a reference point of an encounter with God, you can have one today. If you haven't had one for a long time, today you need to say, Lord, I, I, I need to get in the river. I need to jump in and get, get refilled again. I need to get f- uh, refreshed again. I'm dry. You know, if you are thirsty, you need water. How many could use a spiritual IV this morning? Amen. You get into the hospital and you're dry and, and you need liquids. They put that tube in you and they fill you with liquids. Some of us need a spiritual IV. But the reason we don't get, the reason we get dehydrated spiritually is the same reason we get dehydrated physically because we drink things that taste good but aren't good for us. We do, we do, we allow, we allow things in the world to submerge us and get and take our time up. I was saying this earlier, how, how awesome would it be if you begin to listen to the Holy Spirit and you're driving down the street and to go to work or whatever and you're list, even listening to Christian music maybe or, or whatever you're doing and he says, turn that off and just talk to me. Turn that off and just worship me. Or you're watching TV or you're watching some sports game or something, he says, turn that off and worship me. What would happen if you began to build up that kind of relationship with God, an encounter with God's presence? Something happens, amen? I want to challenge you this morning as we bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to challenge you this morning to find a reference point. I want you to think back. Do, you, do I have a reference point? Is there a moment in my life when Jesus came in? Do I remember that? If you don't, today can be a new reference point. Today could be a day like Jacob's well where he made an altar and he said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get things Together with you, I'm going to make things right with you. I'm going to allow all the things in my life that are obstructing to begin to flow in my life. God wants to do that in you this morning. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, we have felt the presence of God here this morning. He's here. He is here right now. There's no denying that he's here. The Bible tells us when two or more are gathered together, he is in the midst. Amen. He is here right now. Father, I ask you this morning to begin to talk to us and show us how much you love us. Lord, there's a reference point in my life this morning. I know that there's things, Lord, that that call on me and pull on me and cause me to be sometimes distracted, Father, away from your presence. But, Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence, God, there is such a powerful thing that takes place. Lord, the the worries around my life, the struggles around my life, the situations around my life all disappear when I begin to worship you. When I begin to encounter the presence of God, when I begin to encounter the power of God, when I begin to encounter the love of God, there's something that happens in my life that makes all the other things around me small. And, and, and not important, Lord. Lord, you had an encounter with this woman at the well. She went there for water physically, but you gave her water spiritually. Today, Lord, you have spiritual water for us. Today, you have things in our hearts that you want to get rid of that are obstructing the flow 
of water flowing through our lives. And I ask you, Lord, today to reveal those things to me. Get them out of my life. I don't want them, Father. I don't want anything, God, that obstructs the presence of of the Lord and the flow of the Holy Spirit in my life because I want to make a difference. I want to reach people for Jesus. I want to know what an encounter with God is like because when you meet Jesus, you'll never, ever be the same again. I'm not talking this morning about religion. I'm not talking about being a member of a church. I'm talking about knowing Jesus for who he is and for what he's done and for what he wants to do in your life. He wants to change you today. He wants to make you a new creation today. He wants to be your source. He wants to be the answer to your questions. He wants to be your peace. He wants to be your joy. He wants to be everything to you. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning all over this place, maybe you've never had an encounter with God. Been in church a lot of years, been in a lot of services. I've been there, but never had an encounter where change happened, where you you no longer want the things you used to want. You want Jesus. There's nothing more I want in this world but Jesus. If Jesus is not in it, I don't want it. If you're here and that's not your desire this morning, God wants you to have that desire, but he can't make you want it. You have to accept it. How many all over this place would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus today. If I passed into eternity today, I don't know where I'd spend it. I don't know the Lord. I'm not saved. I'm not born again, but today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want my name to be written in the Lamb's book of life. If that's you, just put your hand up so I can see it. Put it right back down all over this place. I'm not saved. I don't know Jesus. Today's my day. I want to have an encounter with God at the well. Here I am. Maybe you're backslidden, running from God, angry at God, frustrated with God frustrated with the world but today Jesus is doing something in your heart he's dealing with you he's saying stop running from me I I love you my grace is sufficient for you let me in I know your hurts I know your past I know your problems I can fix all that just let me in how many say that's me I'm running I stopped running today today's the day I stopped running just put your hand up and put it back down God sees your heart His presence is here. We felt His presence today. And my challenge to you today as you go out of this place is that you would find that reference point again. That you would not go days and weeks without being in His presence, but you would seek His face. Worship Him in spirit and truth. Be real with Him. Be honest with Him. Find that song that you need to listen to. Find that that message. Find that that verse that you need to read that rekindles that relationship with you with God. Find it and, and, and make it happen again. This walk is work. It takes work to have a good relationship, to have a good marriage, to have a good friendship. It's the same with God. It takes work. It takes discipline. It takes us saying, Lord, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put you first over everything else. 
You're going to be my priority. As we close today, I want to spend just a few minutes in the altar or praying together. If you'd all stand, I want to sing this song about fighting my battles. This is how I fight my battles. You know, when they went around Jericho, some of us haven't maybe had this revelation yet. It's important to understand worship isn't everything. Worship didn't save me. That God's word did. But worship is and praise is a force. It's a force. When you look at, at the Old Testament, the way they won battles, and, and in the Old Testament they used swords. They physically fought battles. Today the Bible says that our battle is not with flesh and blood. So it's the exact opposite. But in the Old Testament, when they won their battles, they won their battles by marching around Jericho with music, with instruments, by shouting unto God. They, with Gideon, they won it with trumpets and lamps. And today, that power still exists in us. We fight our battles by praising God and worshiping the Lord and saying, you know what, it doesn't matter how I feel, I'm going to worship Him anyways. Because how many know Jesus did not feel like going to the cross, but He went? How many are thankful Jesus got past His flesh and went all the way to the cross and paid the price and said it's finished? So this is how we fight our battles in worship. I'm surrounded sometimes by enemies. I'm surrounded by lies. I'm surrounded by the world. But I fight my battles by praising God. And when we come in and we close our eyes and we lift our hands, we clap our hands, we worship God, God sees that and saying, you know what, I'm not going to worry about anything else around me. This is how I win my battles. This is, I can tell you for the last 26 years, the way I win my battles is on my knees is in the presence of God. When I'm, when I'm needing an answer, when I'm needing a touch from God, I don't need to go to some counselor. I don't need to go to some person. And there's nothing wrong with counsel. There's nothing wrong with going to people. But I need to go to God. I need to get in His presence and let Him minister to me and let Him remind me of all, the, all His goodness and remind me of that encounter I had 26 years ago that changed my life. I believe you can have that encounter again this morning. I believe you can get something in your spirit that says, God, there it is. There it is, God. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That's it. Amen. We're going to open up the altars.